Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I am your host, Tom Sutton. So much Star Wars fun things to talk about. I guess I haven't done a show in a little bit. Um, you know, it's like I'm having Star Wars thoughts all the time, but I also... You know, I think a lot of people who do podcasts have this, you know, feeling like if there's no news to talk about, then it's hard to um, to do a show. Uh, but I try to, you know, I'm I'm not here to tell you anything. <laughs> I'm just here to entertain myself. So uh, really, it, it doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah, when there's when there's a bit of news, it it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, my most recent Star Wars fun has been. Um, I watched Rogue One and Episode 4 over two nights. Unfortunately, my back problems persist, so I can't really make it through two movies in a row. Uh, I would, you know, like a lot of people, I love doing the, the Rogue One uh, Episode 4 double bill. Um, but I mean, you know, this is one of the things that is just cr crazy about Star Wars is that yeah, every time you watch... Watch the film. It's a, one of the films. It's a different experience. That's my experience of it, at least. Um, so as I've said the multiple, multiple times, I uh, liked Rogue One in the beginning, but um, came to like it more and more as time went on. And it's right now, it's kind of like, okay, so for example, I love, I love Rain in Blood by Slayer. But I'm pretty sure I love it now more than, for example, when I had only heard it twice. Um, or I was very excited when I heard it the first couple of times. But once you get to know, you know, the uh, the ins and outs of, of it, then you start to really fall in love with it. And um, that's what's happening for me with Rogue One. The issues, the things that bother me still remain, uh, or most of them. Um, I still think Tarkin doesn't look great. But my technique now is every time CG Tarkin turns up, I actually just uh, look somewhere else on the screen. I don't look directly at his face. And then the scenes work awesomely because the voice is good. Um, if I, you know look at the guy's chest or look at Krennic or what, what just don't look directly at, at the uh, CG face, then those scenes work. Um, of course, the Vader, the Vader hallway scene is killer, but the Vader and Krennic scene, there's a couple of just gorgeous moments. Like when the door comes up and you see the shadow of Vader over, just looming over Krennic, it's, that's, gold right there but um i think james earl jones sounds like a dude in his mid 80s which is how old he was when he recorded that that stuff it doesn't sound like vader to me um and also something visually always bothered me and i finally i've a beat it i've looked at what the issue is and i thought i you know, I thought that this was the problem, but I finally actually, you know, done a comparison. And in Rogue One, his cloak is pulled too closely in. Like the, it's, it, I don't know if I can explain this properly, but um, if you watch, let's say episode four, because that's, you know, timeline wise, that's what, what it's supposed to be closest to. Um the cloak with a cape kind of sits, you know, on his shoulders and you have a certain width between the two edges of it. And there's a chain that runs between them, I guess, the two edges, I guess. But in Rogue One, it's like pulled too closely and it just goes to show like what a difference details make. Now, obviously, like if you're a Star Wars fanatic, then tiny little things are going to impact you, whereas maybe they don't, they really shouldn't, but... In this case, it's like he looks, it doesn't look as like intimidating. It just, he looks a bit like he's got his like, he's got his bathrobe on, which he kind of does because he gets out of the bath <laughs> right before he sees Krennic, you know. Um, 
which is, I mean, that scene when he's like uh, his assistant goes in, and what a bit of great bit of casting, you know. Director Krennic has arrived. It's so good, and to see the Imperial uh, guards on either side of the back to tank. I remember seeing a still from that, you know, um, before the film came out. I think it was in Empire magazine or something. And I was just remember thinking, damn, that looks amazing. And it is amazing. Yeah. So killer. But I just think overall that Vader scene, I think, is not ace. Um, but I guess the other main thing that bothered me from the beginning was that I just thought that the characters were not very warm. Or like, especially coming off Force of, the Force Awakens, where the characters were just a ten out of ten for me. Like they were so, just so like um, warm, and you just fell in love with them immediately. And um, I think like Little Jin in the beginning, I, I love that opening sequence. It's one of my favorite opening sequences of any Star Wars movie. But as an adult, she's just kind of you know like cranky and. Not you don't really. There's nothing about the the character that really brings you in and makes you root for her. Um, and the other characters, you get like just a little bit of a like a quick flash of who they are, and that's kind of it. Um, but what what has happened for me with the characters is that. Um, I think just over the years of watching the film again and again, in a way, it's like when we were kids, my imagination is kind of filling in the gaps a bit. And um, I mean, I really like the characters now. And um, I think that the Cassian Andor series will really help with that character. I think that's a really good... good it's going to be really cool. But um, yeah, just... I mean, visually, that movie is nuts. And I just like, I've heard some people say like, oh, the first two thirds is a bit boring, but the the, the, the last third is like killer. But I, I don't agree with that at all, actually. I think um, each sequence, you know, besides the ones that I don't love, <laughs> oops, every other sequence is just so good. And I think like, how how visually fantastic it is like you know that they can't be understated Whew. yep love it and then um watching episode 4 again i saw <laughs> the lovely people on uh, Kessel run transmissions Corey and noah both they came out and said episode 4 is kind of boring and i was just like like it, it's it's nice actually that like Star Wars is different things to different people. Like so, Corey, for example, he's 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 not a casual Star Wars fan. The dude is living the Star Wars life. But his favorite, the absolute pinnacle for him, is the Clone Wars TV series. And he thinks Episode Four is kind of boring. That is insanity to me. <laughs> like, to me, like the Clone Wars TV series is like, it's like army rations. It'll get you through the day, but it's like, there's so much about it that just doesn't really land for me. And episode four is the fucking essence of Star Wars, you know? Ah, uh, so like I'm not mad. It's just like so funny, like that. Everyone's kind of idea of what Star Wars is or what they love about Star Wars is so different. But watching Episode Four, I just, just again like the whole the the world, the texture of it, the everything is so cool. It's basically like it's a perfect movie. Like, this, you know, you always hear people, "What's your favorite Star Wars movie?" And I, I generally answer like the, the the original trilogy to me is one long movie. But um, 
Yeah, I just think episode four is so, so good. And like, just the, the, like the chemistry and the energy between not just not just Luke, Leia and Han, but Chewie as well. Chewie is so funny. Like in the trash compactor where um, like they're all trying to like stop the walls and Chewie's just at the door hammering on it going, <laughs> it's so good. And then like afterwards is where Han's like, come, on, come here, you big coward. And he's like, mm-mm, It's um, the four of them are so good together. Like that kind of energy and friendship is so key to the Star Wars experience, I think. And that's why, you know, episode seven was such a hit for me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, those two were a totally fantastic viewing experience. I, I don't know. I, in some ways, I'm always wondering, when is it? Are we going to have like a time when I sit down and watch a Star Wars movie and go like, ah, it, I didn't, get, I didn't get like it didn't affect me that much this time. Like, am I ever going to be like, uh oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe this ain't the thing for me anymore. Um, it could happen, but not today, my friends. Uh, but one thing that we can talk about today is so let's hit. Uh, these these couple of like big news items that item yeah the a couple of big news items that have just hit um, so Lucasfilm released the cast list for the upcoming Obi Wan TV series um, pretty cool uh, now obviously Ewan McGregor as, as Kenobi we've got Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. Those two were confirmed. We already knew about them. Uh, what's pretty cool is that we have Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Peace. I think her, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but um, P.S. maybe. Um, as Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, they're they're back to uh, reprise their roles. Of course, that they played the, those characters in Episode Three. Um, I gotta say, so um, in the, uh, the 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 photo that they released with the news, you know, they have pictures of all the cast, and Joel Edgerton, like he was a good choice. Um, he was a good choice at the time uh, for episode three. I thought he looked close enough to the original Uncle Owen, so I was, I thought it was a great choice. Especially, you know, I'm Australian; he's Australian. It's always kind of cool to go like, "Oh, look, an Aussie in Star Wars." Um, uh, but this photo they've got with this cast list, you know, he's, he's older now, obviously like, uh, episode three was shot, I don't know, around 15 years ago or something, but I think he's like, he's aging really nicely into like a face shape and stuff that is pretty close to the original Uncle Owen. And he's a really good actor. So um, I think that's great that Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru will be back. Um, now, I don't know if... I don't know if, like, the the placement of the photos is significant, but on the top row, you've got Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Joel Edgerton, but you've also got a woman called Moses Ingram, who I've never heard of before. But apparently on Instagram, she, I think she, she posted this news or whatever, and um, along with the phrase "I play with I I play with lightsabers" or "I get to play with lightsabers," I can't remember. So that suggests she's doing something where she gets to play with lightsabers, obviously. So of course, there's a lot of speculation as to what kind of role she could be playing. Um, I could see her as um, as an inquisitor, maybe. Some people have said, could it be a young Ahsoka? I just think, like, they would just get Rosario Dawson to do that. Like, does she look old? No, I mean, she's she looks young now. 
Um, so, and if they wanted to make her look younger, I'm sure they, they could find a way to do that. So I don't think it's Ahsoka, but interesting. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani is in it, who's a very funny guy. Um, great actor. Um, yeah, no idea what kind of role he might be playing, but that's cool news. Indira Varma. She um, she was in Game of Thrones. She's a, a, like a just cool, really cool looking woman. Um, so that's good news. Some guy called Rupert Friend. Never heard of him. He looks chiseled and imperial to me. This is a good one. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son. Um, if you saw him in uh, Straight Outta Compton, you will know that the dude can act. Um I'm glad that he's uh, getting more 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 stuff to do because uh, he's really good, um, and I love Ice Cube, so that's good. A guy called Sung Kang. Apparently, he's in the Fast and the Furious movies. I've never seen any of them, but that's nice. Simone Kessel. Never heard of her. Nice. And then the last one, Benny Safdie. Now, if you've seen Good Time or um, Uncut Gems. He directed those films and he actually was one of the stars of Good Time um, along with Robert Pattinson. What a performance. He was incredible in that movie. Um, so believable in the role. And I think, you know, some actors, they just have a brutality about them. Like there's no... There's no ego involved. It's just like 100% like hard truth in their performance. And that's really what I got from his performance in that film. Um, so it's ex very exciting. Um, okay. Yep. Hayden's going to be in it. I, I, I find it just still like f just bewildering that like I see so many people like, yay, I'm so glad he's coming back oh my heart oh wonderful it's this great news and i'm just like he was terrible <laughs> i know it was not his fault a hundred percent i understand that george is not an easy director to work with as an actor or he's um, not that he's not easy but he's not very helpful perhaps um I understand the dialogue that he was given was nigh on impossible to make work. I get all that. But he wasn't good. I'm a bit annoyed about this rewriting of history. Like, you know, he was actually really good because, you know, like he, all this, the way he's like really awkward with, with Padme is because, you know, he's a monk and he doesn't... You can, tr you can explain that stuff away if you want. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, he, this is what I'm talking about. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League came out recently. I watched it. It was actually good. Like still stuff about it that was stupid. But overall, I think it was like a basically like a good movie, you know. Um, and there are people who love Ben Affleck as Batman or Bruce Wayne. I personally don't really like him as Batman. Uh, he's not bad, but I'm not so into the kind of muscle-bound... Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not into muscle Batman. I'm into spooky Batman. So that's he's just not my cup of tea. But I can see why other people would like him as Batman. When it comes to Anakin Skywalker... As played by Hayden Christensen, to me, it is the biggest cinematic disappointment of all time. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how I feel about it. I still, still like, you know, I, I watched the prequels not long ago, and I'm still just watching it going, I can't believe what an amateurish performance this is. This character should have been utterly iconic should have been like um it should have been Vigo Mortensen 
as Aragorn level. It should have been Adam Driver as Kylo Ren level. It should have been like... Um, What's his name? Uh, anyway, Godfather, like, Corleone level. Like, it deserved a, a hundred... I mean, th that trilogy deserved so much better than what it was like. Man, it still kills me. Like, in, you know, like, I, I get really annoyed with people, like, being dickheads about the sequel trilogy online. But I always have to kind of just give them, like I kind of get it because 20 years later, I still get annoyed about this, the, the prequels. <laughs> so I can't really say, oh, if you didn't like it, just get over it. I'm not over it. It's been 20 years. Jeez. But at least I let other people enjoy them, you know, I don't go and like, if I see people talking about how much they like those films or if I see them saying like Hayden was actually really good I don't go and argue with them and tell them they're wrong like but I will talk about it on my own pod podcast mm. anyway so uh, yeah Kenobi starts shooting next month that's really cool um, yeah let's let's get ready to have fun with the with the with the TV series Z-Z-Z-Z. It's going to be craziness. Like when I think about like ev like there are some episodes of The Mandalorian I like and some episodes I love. But I didn't finish any episode and go like, "Oh yeah, all right. Well, that was all right, I guess." Like well, I did, but I it was more like I had it every episode made an impact on me, you know. I had a lot to think about, a lot to talk about after every episode. So when I think about like, like uh, the book of Boba Fett, I think there's just going to be so much to get excited about in every episode. Kenobi, it's going to be the same. I think Andor is going to be sick. I just that's my call on this on that series. I just think. When when I in that little behind the scenes thing when they said like the sets and all the creatures and everything are cinema cinema quality, I'm up for that. Like I love the volume and I love the Mandalorian and everything, but I want to see I want to see like the full the full thing. I want to see Andor at, at just full stretch. All right, the other bit of news that came uh, that came out just today. Was the uh, the new Bad Batch trailer? Um, yeah, this doesn't uh, change how I feel about the show at all. Uh, there are things about it that seem really cool, and things about it that seem like, yep, this will be more of what I didn't love about the Clone Wars TV series, I guess. Um, yeah, like this. The A-team kind of setup of the characters, it's just a bit obvious, I guess. But I think that once you get into the groove with them, you will, you'll forget that they are kind of cliched characters. Um, but there's one Wrecker, like he's already annoying in that just two-minute trailer. Yeah, I like to destroy stuff. Like, I'm just like, oh. It's like already boring. Um, so that's that. I think there's still like design wise and visuals visually like there's still going to be like prequel era stuff in the beginning of the series at least. Like I think I saw some battle droids and stuff in the trailer. Um, the training stuff. I mean, that's straight out of the Clone Wars. So that stuff, I think I'm not going to be very pumped about. But um, some cool stuff was uh, like just, I mean, obviously Fennec Shand was in the other trailer as well, but this time we got to hear her voice and 
Ah, just to hear Ming-Na Wen's voice. I mean, A, got a mega crush on her, but um, like because she's um, really, to me, like really great established part of Star Wars now because of The Mandalorian, just to hear her voice, uh, to me, it it brought it more into the realm of quote-unquote real Star Wars. Um, So that was cool. Um, Captain Rex is in it. Uh, I didn't even notice until I saw people commenting because obviously I just don't care about clone troopers that much. Um, But that's cool, I guess. Uh, The other cool thing was um, Saw Gerrera's in it and you see him, he's looking a bit more banged up, a bit more... A bit closer to how you see him in Rogue One. I think that's cool. So I, I get the feeling like I'm gonna, I'm gonna like it well enough, um, and I might like it more the closer it gets to uh, the original trilogy era. So let's see how it goes. But yeah, the trailer was cool. Um, it's only a bit over a month away now, which is great. All right, um, my slightly out of control spending on Star Wars stuff has uh, not ended, I'm sorry to say, but I'm having a fun time. Man, that, did we talk about it already? I don't know, but the gigantic X-Wing that I bought on Tradera arrived finally after five weeks. Damn, it's huge. It's so cool. Like it, Every time I see it, I'm like, look at that X-Wing. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, it is just about the right scale for the like the classic three and three-quarter inch um, line of Star Wars figures. Um, uh, it still would need to be a bit bigger to be exactly right the right scale. But it's a lot closer than, for example, you know, the Kenner or Hasbro X-Wings. Um, yeah, it just looks, looks really cool. Um, I've also been, you know, like, I remember seeing these things in, in, in like my, my local vintage toy shop. It's these like 30 centimeter or 12 inch scale, um, figures basically that are like, they have no... Articulation. They basically have the same articulation as the classic figures, the five points of articulation. Um, and I always stayed away from them because they seemed very doll-like, I guess. Like a big part of me wanting to have Star Wars stuff in my house is like when I walk past it, I want to get that little... Ah, like almost like I'm seeing a scene from Star Wars. And if the figure is very stiff looking and just kind of doesn't doesn't look like it could be a real person, then it doesn't have that effect on me. And that is actually why I'm not a a super fan of the vintage figures. They have nostalgic value to me, obviously, um, but I would take anything from basically the force awakens onwards at least like that era produced in that era any day like that the modern figures look so good um even though like the the ones without much articulation like the the way they are put together they just they do look almost like a real person just standing and that's cool so i always I never really liked these, yeah, the 30 centimeters kind of doll-ish looking ones. Um, but which one did I get first? I think it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So um, I saw someone on Tradera selling um, three of the solo ones. So you get, it's like Han, Kira, and Chewie. And, uh, yeah, they were, you know, only, they're going for like a hundred each or something, which is about 10 bucks to everyone else. 
And I just thought, you know, like I'm such a fan of that movie. Um, and I thought, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to get them. And you know what? They actually t- turned out super cool. I love them. Like, it took a little work with the posing to get them to where they don't look, have this really stiff, dead-eyed kind of look to them. But I've got them now. I think they it looks like a gang hanging out. And it, yeah, it really works for me. So when I got those and liked them, then I kind of started <laughs> getting a bit silly. I got um, a episode six, like throne room era Luke one. It looks awesome. You know, the, the only issue there, I think, is that, you know, the paint job on the the face is very limited. Um, I think, like, if you look at the sculpt on it, I reckon if you repainted the face, not me, someone who with someone with painting skills, obviously, you could actually get a really killer-looking Luke Skywalker face. Anyway, like, again, the body language of it is good. Um, it's cool, man. It puts me into Return of the Jedi when I see it. I also got uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi from Episode 3. Now, I tend not to have almost any prequel stuff. Um, I have two quite large Darth Mauls, and they are <laughs> no particular scale <laughs> because they are actually shampoo bottles. Uh, my wonderful friend Anna found them in the garbage and pulled them out like in the recycling room or something. Someone had thrown them out and grabbed them for me and they're killer. Like they look super good and I love Darth Maul. So I've got those two and um, yeah, so I don't really want to have prequel stuff, but of course you can't, you, st- you still love Obi-Wan, you know, and um I think, you know, I'm writing my own version of the prequels and as far as Obi-Wan's look is concerned, I don't think I would change anything. Like I really, like I would make him a little dirtier looking, a little bit more um, weathered, I think. But basically his episode three look is how I would have him look. So I was like, fuck it, I'm grabbing it. And that actually looks super cool as well. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, oh, I put a photo of this on, on the old Instagram, but um, yeah, this is, you, you see a lot of this kind of stuff on Wish or, or eBay where um, bootleggers from China are putting up knockoffs of Star Wars stuff. And uh, this was on Tradera and... It is a Yoda, and it's in pretty much that uh, 12-inch scale. Um, and it was super cheap, 134 crowns delivered. Um, and I just thought, yeah, I, I'm probably going to get burned on this, but it's so cheap that if it turns out horrible or doesn't turn up or something, I will not be that mad. Um, anyway, it showed up. It's, it's super good. Like the quality on it is excellent. Like it's a really good looking Yoda. Um, I think the walking sticks a bit orangey looking. So I think I'm going to maybe get some paint, paint it brown. Um, but the face looks good that you like, it's like, it's really charming. And it's kind of the right scale to be with that Obi-Wan that I just mentioned. So they make a really good pair. Or with the Luke, that's a good pairing as well. Um, You get to imagine that great scene from Return of the Jedi when Luke returns to Dagobah. Yeah, so I got those ones. I also picked up... um, Some guy was selling on, on Facebook Marketplace... Um, there's a there's a line from Hasbro called the Elite Series, and I actually uh, the Kylo Ren from that series is one of the first kind of Star Wars collectible things I bought actually since I have been in Sweden. I just remember seeing it and just going like, man, I, I gotta grab that. Um. Anyway, he was selling 
two of those plus one of the like uh, simple, th- you know, thirty centimeter Kylo Rens, a uh, hundred each or two hundred and fifty for all three, and I was just like, bam, I'll take, I'll take them, and they're killer. Well, they're they're what it's um, Director Krennic, a Death Trooper, and that um, that Kylo Ren I mentioned. Um, Super good. Like, there's one thing wrong, basically. The Death Trooper and, and Krennic are totally the wrong size compa- in comparison with each other. Like, Krennic is taller than the Death Trooper. The Death Troopers are much taller than him. So I don't know how they screwed that up, but uh, I built a little black box to put the Death Trooper on so that the <laughs> height-wise they look a bit better. And um, especially since I just, like, watched Rogue One again, I'm, I'm really in the mood for that. And it's... They're not expensive, actually. Like, uh, well, if you're living in the US, all this stuff is a lot more ex- affordable. But, like, the listing price is, like, 35 bucks or something. Um, but people say you, you generally pick them up for about 20 bucks, which is really cheap. Because they're very, like, you know, they're, like, very detailed. And um, they're not, like, Hot Toys level quality, but they're not that far off. So awesome to get those for cheap. Um, it's been really fun to set them up. And also got a talking stormtrooper. Oh, it's awesome. It's like 45 centimeters tall, I guess. Um, and you press a little button and he says things like, show me your identification or these aren't the droids we're looking for. There's stuff like that. And uh, I get a lot, of, a lot of enjoyment out of talking to that stormtrooper. All right, enough of that. Um, I, yeah, I, I finally finished the Star Wars costumes book again, 10 out of 10 book. Fantastic. And I'm into, uh, the making of Return of the Jedi, uh, the third, uh, in the series of making of books by J.W. Rinsler for, for the original trilogy. Um, Yeah. This is gonna be fun, so let's uh, let's check it out. Let's. Uh, I wanted to read just. I'm only a few pages in, but I already had a couple of bits I wanted to share with you. Let's take a listen. All right. So the foreword for the book is written by Brad Bird, who you might know as uh, one of the kind of main people at Pixar. Um. And this is not not even anything to do with Return of the Jedi, uh, but it's just I think he's talking about his experience with Star Wars. And um, this is just, listen to this. This is like, I, I think we've all heard like um, the kind of legends of this kind of stuff happening, but uh, it's kind of cool to hear someone talk about their own personal experience of this. So uh, let's listen to Brad Bird. He's, he's talking about... Um, his experience seeing episode four in the cinema. Here we go. I'd heard rumblings about Star Wars before it came out through through back channels from film-savvy friends, but the general public had no idea what it was. Because of that, Star Wars had a sexy sort of street cred that other films didn't. Save for Alec Guinness, the film's lead actors were unknowns, But as I sat in the theatre waiting for the lights to dim and the curtains to open, the feeling in the air was unmistakable. This was going to be something. Something was an understatement. What followed was probably the most amazing experience I've ever witnessed between a film and its audience. Almost immediately, right after the Flash Gordon-inspired crawl as the rebel ship was pursued by an endlessly enormous Imperial star cruiser, something happened that never happens in Oregon. The opening shot of a movie got an ovation. This wasn't Hollywood, where knowledgeable industry people show appreciation for the efforts of their fellow co-workers. This was Oregon, where audiences had never, ever, in my experience, and I saw a lot of movies growing up, applauded a shot. And not two minutes later, an even more extraordinary thing happened. As stormtroopers invaded the rebel ship, uh, yeah, the rebel ship, 
Blowing back the resistance with a hail of laser blasts, the film's villain, Darth Vader, made his entrance. And instantaneously, on the opening night of a movie that no one knew anything about, the audience booed and hissed. This was not worked out beforehand. This wasn't audience participation theatre, slowly learned over months of screenings like it was for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. This was spontaneous, theatre-wide and instant, and instant, as if every member of the audience possessed dormant, silent movie villain-hating DNA passed down from their grandparents, behaviour that had been slumbering inside them for generations, which had suddenly awakened in that moment because the right mixture of events, the crawl, the music, the opening shot, had preceded it. Some intricate combination had unlocked a forgotten region of the audience's collective heart, and a sold-out crowd of moviegoers responded as if they were greeting a long-lost friend. Oh, that is good Star Wars. Yeah, like I said, I think we've all heard of this, you know, of um, the kind of reaction that Star Wars had even, you know, People had never even heard of Darth Vader before, but um, they knew what they were looking at as soon as they saw him. But that's the perfection of of um, of how Star Wars was put together. It's partly why I I don't like. I part of Rogue One I never liked was that they tried to you know introduce gray area, like you know maybe the you know the rebels are not as pristine as you think they are and blah 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 i'm like no you're missing the point this supposed it's it's a mythological battle between good and evil you don't yeah that's it darth vader is evil and then he's redeemed and he becomes good again you don't you're not supposed to think about like all this like well (laughs) is he really good he did a lot of bad stuff like it's broad strokes stuff and it's supposed to speak to you on that level all right, but yeah, that just, uh, I just love reading that and just, it kind of reminds you of why you're into this in the first place, you know, when there can be so much like over analyzing of everything. I just love hearing about that, that kind of raw, pure reaction that Star Wars had in 1977. All right, the other fun thing from the book that I wanted to share with you was uh, <laughs> it's a bit of an uncomfortable story. Um, you may know that the producer on uh, on A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, Gary Kurtz, did not return to produce um, Return of the Jedi. And it was basically because... Um, you know, he was the producer on The Empire Strikes Back and that movie went really over time and over budget and George was not happy about that. I've read, uh, you know, in these books that George, as well as being a creative genius, was also very pragmatic and very practical about um, the process of making films. He understood how time and budget worked with regards to putting films together and he was not happy that uh, Empire had... um, kind of gotten so out of control so he and Gary Kurtz I think had a bit of a falling out or at least agreed not to work together anymore so it was um, uh, Howard Kazanjian who um, stepped up to be the producer on Return of the Jedi so um, yeah I'm at the beginning of the making of Return of the Jedi here and they're talking about Howard Kazanjian um but it's a bit interesting. It's a bit of like some slightly fun or awkward Lucasfilm history here. Uh, yeah, so I want, this is a bit of a story about Howard Kazanjian, Gary Kurtz, and Mr. George Lucas. Let's have a listen. Gary Kurtz, the producer of Star Wars and Empire, sent a letter to Star Wars Productions Limited on December 11th, 1979. Dear Sirs, I hereby tender my resignation as director of your company with effect from today's date and confirm that I have no claims of whatsoever nature against the company. 
An identical letter was sent to Chapter 11 Productions Limited. On Kurtz's watch, Empire had taken too long to shoot and had gone far beyond its original budget. Consequently, Howard Kazandian had overseen aspects of Empire's production toward the end of principal photography and in post, and had then segued easily into early meetings on Jedi in England. Quote from Mr. Kazandian. Now I'm going back and forth a couple of times to London because I wanted to sit with production designer Norman Reynolds and discuss the crew, Kazandian would say. One day, Gary Kurtz comes in and says, What are you doing here? I had to tell him that he was not on the picture. (laughs) Didn't George speak with you? When I flew back, I met with George. Gary said that you never told him. But George said, I did. (laughs) it's, It's just funny, like... When you think of like filmmaking, there's this great kind of like romance and mystery around it, and especially when you think about the original the, the original trilogy, you know, considered to be among the greatest films of all time, and then, then you realize, like, but this like really goofy stuff can still happen. Gary Kurtz like turns up for work and someone's, uh, what? Would you let go? Um, yeah, but I mean, George says that he told him. I don't know. George is a bit, of, you know, George is nice and maybe he just wasn't particularly straight about uh, about his um, decision. I don't know. But uh, that made me giggle a bit. All right. You know what time it is. It's time for some sound effects. It's time to play Guess That Sound Effect. Now I f- I feel like I've been like a little too easy on myself um, by you know because it's been all like original trilogy era stuff. Now I've pushed the numbers up, which in theory should put us in the prequel era. Let's see what the sound is. Uh, I'm gonna turn the volume up. Here we go. Here we go. Listen again. Hmm. Haven't got a clue. Is it like a, some kind of ship flyby or? Let's have a look. 249, 249. Hmm. It's not even from the prequels. It's from the Clone Wars cartoon. Yeah, that's why I go, why it was hard. Hang on. Oh. Eh, well, I, I was in the right ballpark. It was, in fact, a ship flyby, but it was the Twilight. Do you remember that, Clone Wars fans? Um, I like that ship, actually. I think it's a cool design. Sad that we didn't see it more often. Uh, but yeah, okay, I was half right. All right, let's. Uh, all right, let's bring the numbers down. Okay, here we go. Two twenty. What's it going to be? That's one. That's those uh, troop carrier ships. What are they called? Uh, but you know the ones, they're, they're always dropping troops off and they have the slidey doors and um, some types had the bul- bulby kind of like gun doodads. Yep, I was right. Hmm. Ah. So I'm looking at the notes here about this, this that sound effect. Apparently, part of the sound was created with a Rolls-Royce engine. 
That's nice. All right, let's do one more. I'm going to bring it down a bit again. Let's see. 196. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, no prizes for guessing that one. That's the pod races, but it's also got one of the dumbest, I think, one of the dumbest like sound effects in Star Wars history. Listen to this again. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I noticed that, like, on my early uh, viewings of that film, but, like, I think since, you know, watching it on home video, especially when you watch things over and over again, that one pod racer guy who goes, like, Row! I was just like, oh, my God. Ah, I'm biased, I guess, you know, like, Return of the Jedi has a lot of Muppety business in it as well, but um, that seems a little bit over the top to me. All right, folks, let's do it. It's time to watch some Solo. All right, we are jumping into Kessel, which is good news because I love this sequence. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I thought this was all a bit like just, eh, it's fine. <laughs> My feelings towards Kessel and the Kessel Run have changed completely, i got to say. Ah, the Maelstrom. Look at this, it just looks so good. Man. Ah, this is a great moment between L3 and Kira. This is the scene. So what are you going to do about your little problem? Problem. I, uh, I just like, it's bonkers to me how good this all looks. And that young male heart fluctuations tell me he's in love with you. Han is not in love with you. Oh, it just like looks so realistic to me. And like, I mean, L3. That looks like a real droid. Okay, this is where L3 talks about like her and Lando's romantic relationship and the fact that it works. Hang on, I'm going to turn it up. It works. <laughs> I mean, that's to me really pushing the boundaries of like what's okay really, like... Like, it's just going like, yeah, Lando has bonked a robot, like, but I just love it. It works for me. Man, Chewie looks good in, in this movie. Like, he looks... He looks even better than, like, in the original films, pretty much. Okay. Um, I, think, I think when you see, like, this, the Castle Mine here... I think a lot of us pictured something a little bit more expansive than this uh, one kind of wedge cut into the earth here. But uh, still, it is really cool. Um, I think visually, like these turquoise ponds, really, like. Okay, this is. I always think of, like, this is one part that really just makes me go, like, I love. The look of it. I mean, look at this. This, uh, the Pike. What's his name? <laughs> oh, really good, that line. I mean, it is subtly making fun of the Trade Federation and all that shit from the prequels, I think. But this character, the way, like, I mean, the outfits are insane. The way there's this goop, like, and, like, gas, like, coming out of his, like, face mask thing. And the guards, their, their uniforms are, like... To me, this is, like, artwork. 
Just shot for shot. I, mean, I heard, like, so the guy who played this character, I think, was Details, who has been interviewed on um, Steele's show many times. And he talked about doing this scene. He's got this, like, metallic pokey thing. And he has to put it pretty close to, um, to Kira's face, which, you know, you don't really think about. But he can see barely, like, he can barely see anything in that mask. So he had to be careful not to ram Emily Clark in the face with that thing. <laughs> All right, but um, I mean, these guards, they just look so perfectly filthy. They're like, it's just such a cool design. It really looks like, yeah, like miners, you know. And ah, oh, these guards look sick. And I love Kira's outfit here with this long red cape. Beckett looks amazing in Lando's, um, I guess, bounty hunter disguise. I don't know what kind of disguise you really you would call it. Really, all this like the panels, the readouts, the like. It all just looks, it's so perfectly Star Wars to me. Quay Tolsite, that was, that's the, uh, the Pike c uh, character's name. <laughs> I love how his fake name is Tool. That is funny. Now, here we get one of the... Ah, oh, here we go. Look at these droids! There we are. Chewie pulled his ar pulled arms out of sockets. A lot of people have said, like, a little bit too many references to what we know about Han and stuff, but uh, I'm alright. I'm okay with this. Bam! Oh, Beckett is such a good gunslinger. Like. And then you've got Kira with the. Oh, come on. Terrace Cassie. It's such a cheesy reference. I never played the game, but I, I don't know. It did not look good. Well negotiated. I love that. Yeah, all the, I mean, the mines look suitably miserable. I love this. This. I love this, like, uh, kind of subplot of uh, L3 and the droid right stuff. But look at these droids. They look straight out of the original trilogy. All this technology is a perfect... Again, let me just say I disagree completely when people say this movie was too dark. Get your eyes checked, man. It just looks organic to me. I love it. Gonk droid doing some gonk noises. Oh, I never noticed that Twi'lek before. That's cool. But I mean, it's so cool to think of, you know, like... Will be sent to the spice mines of Kessel, or smashed into who knows what. I mean, it's, Kessel's been part of the story since the beginning. <laughs> Look at this guy! Ah, oh, that guy's stomping on stuff is fantastic. And actually, I I never noticed that before. It's the droid that you see at the front of uh, Mascanada's castle, which is a really cool design. And um, I'm a big fan of that one. This is great, this moment where Chewie sees his fellow Wookiees enslaved and goes, I'm not putting up with this. Han goes off to do his thing. 
Now watch Chewie go into action. Watch this. Bam! Oh! You just get to hear... You get to see why Jabba referred to him as the mighty Chewbacca. Bam! Bam! Gunslinger! Tobias Beckett! That character needs more love. But I just like, look at the rust and everything on, uh, on these, um... On these sets and on these, um... These outfits. It's so perfect. <laughs> really want to see more of it. Olden Aaron Riker's Han. It's, I mean, at this point, I think it's extremely likely. I mean, when this movie didn't do well at the box office, I think a lot of people were like, well, that's that. But um, I think that with The Mandalorian being the hit that it has been, that uh, they're for sure going to, they're going to put this guy's Han in somewhere. Oh, listen to this. That's Lando genius. More of this, please. Is it a mass breakout? This is lovely. So cool. I love L L3. Wish I could see more of... I want to... Ah, I just want more of all of this, basically. Oh, I just wish we had two more of this. This should have been a hit. Chewie is here to save the day. Oh, more Chewie action. This is the... Oh, that is one of the most spine-crunching <laughs> slams I've ever seen in any movie. Oof. <laughs> we have Anthony Daniels as a uh, escaped escaped prisoner. We've got the um, the very unfortunate-looking uh, Wookies who've been uh, enslaved in the mines for a long time. I think everybody was a little bit shocked to see them, actually. Like, because they don't look well, you know. Um, but of course, it's like they're not supposed to. They've been. Uh, Working in these mines in horrendous conditions, you know. Um, they don't look as happy as Chewie. But man, look at Lando. Look at they got the gun throw and Han grabs it and. Seriously. So exciting. I love it. Ah! Beckett with the gun twirl. Alden looks good with a blaster, which is extremely important for Han Solo. Here we are, we're getting into the, the final moments of this Falcon looking clean and shiny. This is genuinely sad though. Sweet to see Lando caring about L3. Right. 
She looks heavy though. I can't, can't imagine droids are very light. Man, it's it's really fun doing these um, the commentary on it, but it does make me kind of go like, oh, I just want to watch this movie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm supposed to be saying things about it, but it's just it's not been that long since I saw the whole thing, like a few months maybe, but it just hits the spot for me so well. Again, you see one of those droids that you see out the front of Mascanada's castle. All right. Here comes Kira with the grenades. She's awesome. Taking charge. Now this shot of Han backing up the ramp, firing into the... Like, there, there were so many fantastic shots and angles on... Um, of the Falcon that we had never seen before in this film. Like... Just to see them like running from compartment. There we go. Hans in the ah, he's in the in the pilot seat of the Falcon for the first time. He looks happy. They're getting out of there. That is good. Awesome stuff. All right. That's where we're gonna pause. Well, folks, thanks again for listening. Thanks for indulging my own self-indulgence. Um, the countdown to uh, Bad Batch is on. Oh, I forgot to mention. Yeah, this there's a book coming out that is a tie-in to the Visions animated anthology series. And that book is coming out on October 16th or something. Which, if it's tied in with the animated sh like short film series Visions you would have to assume that Visions is going to be starting around then. Or will that book be like a kind of like a lead up to something? Not sure, but I would love to think that it means that Visions is kicking off around the same time. <sighs> because really, I'm, I want more Star Wars. More! More! As uh, Kylo Ren once said. All right, but whatever happens, we'll be back to talk about it, of course. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. Hey!